continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, Nathan Stacken, a.k.a. Triple B in the house, and pleased to be joined by my good friend, our resident college football expert from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand, for the, the what, Charlie, this is the third week of our four-week college preview, is that correct? I believe that's correct. How you doing? I mean, I'm good, you know, I'm... Watched Game of Thrones last night slash House of the Dragon, like the first episode of that. You know, football starts in a few days. I mean, I don't know what day you're releasing this. Yeah. It's a Monday for us, so, I mean, we've only got five days till the first games of the season. Yeah. So, this is a uh, this is a good time of year. How excited I mean, are you for technically, week Technically, I think, like, with football, like, real games, not preseason stuff, like mm-hmm. the NFL preseason, but actual real games that count. Mm-hmm. I think we have football every Saturday now. From this upcoming weekend until January, now, yes, at some point in January. So that's that's good. Yes, it is. Uh, how excited are you for Week Zero? Obviously, your Huskers are playing, so that I'm pretty excited. There's a lot of nerves with Nebraska playing because I, I mean, I won't go through all of it again since we talked about that uh, last week about how I think they're going to do and how important that is. But it's a it's a big game that if they don't win, things could go south. Mm-hmm. Really, really quickly. So I'm very excited, but also, also nervous at the same time. It, you know what? Even though it's not a huge game, Nebraska against Northwestern, it's essentially a standalone game. Like you don't, Fox isn't competing with ESPN for any games or anything like that. So this is pretty big in the standpoint that yes, like it is like all college football fans will pretty much be focused in on this game apart from whatever game CBS Sports Network's carrying at that stage. I know. I've done a few of these before where I do like an ultimate college football road trip where you pick mm-hmm. one game to go to each week yep. and you can't ever see a team play more than once. For week zero, I picked Nebraska and Northwestern partially because there's only like six games. It is also the only game that involves two power five teams too. And, and they're the also division game. opponents, so... Yep. I mean, I don't think either team's going to win the division, but it is it could play a part in the division race. And also that, I mean, other than last year where Nebraska smoked Northwestern, almost every game's close and it's decided late in the fourth quarter. So, you yeah. know, I don't know if it'll be great football. It might be turnover heavy and gross, but it'll probably be close football. And you get to go to Dublin, Ireland and eat a lot of good food and drink a lot of good beer. Watch it. Eat bangers in Nashville watching two teams that might not make a bowl game in the first place. But Oaks yeah, Free's eternal in game one. Yes, it does. Uh, bangers in Mash while two teams bang and mash their heads against one another. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> so we've gone through most of the Power Five conferences. Today. This week we're going over the ACC. We'll, we'll talk about the the independents or the independents that matter. Sorry, UMass. Sorry, UConn. You don't. Like, you're just not that good. Sorry, New Mexico State. All Army. Only Army we're talking yeah. about. Right. Okay, maybe not. And then we'll, we'll just, if we have any thoughts on any of the other uh, non-Power 5 conferences or who we think might win these ones, we'll, we'll certainly touch on those as well. And then next week will be our big unveiling. We'll, we'll go through every championship game that we have. We'll go, we'll pick our college football playoff teams, the Heisman Trophy winner, and go through the, the New Year's Six games, the college football playoff games. We'll, we'll lay all that out for you, the lay of the land, next week. So let's let's go to the ACC, though. And it, it was a bad year for Clemson last year. We're going to start with the Atlantic Division first. Bad year for Clemson by their standards. Uh, DJ Uyagale was – I'm going to keep – Trying to pronounce it throughout the year. I think it was pretty close there. I knew how to pronounce it last year. I'm going to be honest. Since football season ended, I have forgotten how to exactly pronounce it. <laughs> it's it's totally understandable. Totally get it. Um, but Clemson's offense was just atrocious last year. They couldn't do anything right. And it starts with DJ. If he can make some big plays, they do have some playmakers in the backfield, at wide receiver, and their defense is so good. But there's that very trendy pick in North Carolina State with all of those sixth-year seniors and a really good quarterback. It's like this is not going to be easy for Clemson, but it all might come down to that game on October 1st when the Wolfpack visit Death Valley to face the Tigers. 
Yeah, I mean, that'll be a big game. Obviously, Clemson wants to rebound from last year. I mean, they objectively weren't bad, but obviously it was the worst season they'd had in at least four or five years, if not longer. And, uh, I mean, if, if, you're Clemson, if you're a Clemson fan and you want Clemson to do well, the thing you'd hang your hat on is that, look, it's one year, we'll be able to bounce back. We clearly have the most talented roster. Mm-hmm. We might not have the best starting units in terms of experience, but just in raw talent across the board, they've recruited so well that that's that's the answer. And like, I mean, like you said, if they get decent quarterback play, they've got enough dudes everywhere else that it'll take care of itself. Yeah, I I agree, and you know, they don't have Brett Venables this year, defense coordinator. I don't know. I mean. He's been such a fixture with Dabo Sweeney there in Clemson for so long. But I think the the defensive talent that they have is going to make up for whatever impact has been left with Venables leaving for Oklahoma. He was good enough. I think they take a little bit of a step back on defense, but that just means instead of being, you know, one of the 10 or 15 best defenses in the U.S., maybe they'll only be in the top 30. But if you have a top 30 defense with the talent they have, you know, you force some turnovers, you'll still be fine. I know you like the Wolfpack. Tell me what intrigues you and why you think the Wolfpack have a a great chance to be very successful this season. A few reasons. If uh, you may remember, and also some listeners may or may not remember, that I uh, didn't go with Phil Steele this year. What would be the pick six previews? Yep. Because according to, I forget who it is, Stassen maybe, I don't remember, but someplace goes and looks at like the average over the last 10 years or whatever, and that it was the one that was the most accurate in terms of picking the division and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So part of this is because he's got NC State winning the division, but that's not the whole reason. But... They've got Devin Leary at quarterback, mm-hmm. who he's got as well. I should say he's got as his uh, first team All Conference quarterback. Yep. They've also got the unit rankings. They've got NC State as having the number one quarterback or the number one quarterback group, the number one receiver slash tight ends group, the number two defensive line group, the number one linebackers, and the number one defensive backs. If I remember right, I think they have ten starters back on defense. So their defense should be plenty, plenty good. And if you have a really, if you have a great defense and you can get great quarterback and receiver play along with that, that's essentially the recipe to being like not good, but being really, really, really good in college football. Mm-hmm. I do not think that NC State is going to routinely be one of the two or three best teams in the ACC each year. But I think that this is the year that they just kind of have the stars aligned for them. And, uh, and have a big season. I think they went 9-3 and three last year, if I remember. So, I they mean, they did, were doing yes. better than they normally were last yep. year. Yep. And I think this is just a year where, you know, like I said, the planets are aligned, and it's just going to be their year in the ACC. You make excellent points, and I think we could probably both agree then that, it's going, that whoever wins this division, it's going to come down to what takes place October 1st in Clemson then. Yes, I definitely agree. I do not think Florida State's going to make a run at the division. No, nope, I don't either. Um, I, that was kind of a smart-ass answer. I mean, Wake Forest was fairly good last year. I think that Wake Forest could be good again, but I, I don't think they're there's, – there's just too much NFL talent on Clemson and NC State that I don't think Wake Forest is going to make a true – serious run to win the division do we know the status of sam hartman i know he left the team like indefinitely he was on an indefinite leave of absence uh has he returned yet does anyone know when hartman is coming back or has he come back already i guess i haven't heard that i don't know i haven't i have not looked into that at all i probably should have checked that before we did uh this podcast since I knew we were doing the ACC, but well, I, I do not know. It's, it's I, we, we just don't know. Like I mean, I think that, that sort of dictates to me where we put Wake Forest in this because Wake is a, a very talented team and can cause a They can do a lot of damage. It's just a matter with that offense. Their defense was bad last year, so that certainly needs to take a step forward. But, I mean, 
they do get Clemson at home. You have to go to Florida State. You have to go to NC State. That's tough, but if you have that great offense and if, if Sam Hartman is leading the charge there, Wake is certain, certainly factors into the equation of who wins this division. I just don't know if he's playing, when he's playing, or like what the status is. It's, it, I, I guess I'm not within the, the walls of, uh, of Winston-Salem, but um, I have not... You know, and, and following it as closely as probably everyone else is down there, but I hadn't heard anything about if Hartman is back yet or not, and I think that totally fluctuate or that changes the projection of how good Wake will be this year. I agree with that. Even if he is back, though, I I would still pick NC State to win the division. I, yes. Yep. I I think that is fair. I think they're probably the third best team. Florida State probably the fourth. Matt Norvell not on the hot seat, but how 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 much pressure is there on Florida State this year, uh, specifically Norvell, even though they say he's not on the hot seat entering this third season? I mean, I think there's quite a bit of pressure. I'm blanking on the guy's name who he replaced at Florida State, the uh, guy that left Oregon. Charlie Strong? Um, no. Um, it was the guy who was with the Harbaugh family and – was uh, coach under the Harbaugh's. Uh, uh, but either way, yeah, yep. going back to the 1970s, it was Bobby Bowden, who even though things were a little bit goofy there, he had done so well that he built up a lot of goodwill. Mm-hmm. And then it was Jimbo Fisher, who was really good and won the national title there. Yep. And even though things got a little weird towards the end there, those were two national title winning coaches they had. And then they just fired what's his face from you from Oregon after what it was two Willie seasons, Taggart. I think. Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart. That's right. I, I I didn't go in today thinking I'd be talking about Willie Taggart either, but <laughs> he got fired so early that clearly, like Auburn is the most fire happy school in college football. Mm-hmm. I think I think Florida State. You could make a case. I mean, obviously not ten years ago, but the way things have been the last five years that. Mm-hmm. If things don't go well this year, I mean, it's possible he could get fired. I, mean, I think it has to be really, really bad. The upside is I think he's a good enough coach that he can get things figured out. I mean, I don't think they're going to win nine or ten games. Mm-hmm. I think they can get to six, though, and yeah, that would be uh, I mean, whatever you can go to a bowl game when you're a really struggling program. It's at least a step in the right direction to get those extra practices, too. Yep, Absolutely. Uh, for the record, I have Florida State at seven and five. So, um, could, they could be a little better than that. Uh, who, who's to say? Uh, I'm curious with Louisville. Uh, Malik Cunningham is a very good quarterback, but it seems like some of the it seems like the the faithful at Papa John State or whatever they're calling it now. I don't think it's Papa John Stadium anymore, but the faithful in Louisville are getting a little restless with Scott uh, Satterfield and and how things have been going with Louisville. I mean, they've been blown out by Kentucky three straight years by, I think I read a combined 109 points. Outside of Malik Cunningham, I don't know a, a whole lot else that Louisville has that can make them a threat to anyone. What do you see from the Cardinals and maybe the rest of the division, Boston College and Syracuse? I think Boston College and Syracuse will be bad. I think Florida State and Louisville eke out bowl games at six and six or seven and five, but don't do anything pretty. Okay. Do well enough that neither coach gets fired. And then, like I said, I think NC State wins the division. I uh, and also you said you don't know what they call Louisville Stadium anymore. I don't either. I say we should call it Rick Pitino Stadium. Oh, Florida. because if Papa John got in trouble, you have to go to the most. Uh, the most stoic person who's never done anything wrong in Louisville, so we should call it Rick Pitino Stadium. That, that's so true. I mean, yeah, if if uh, Papa John uh, is getting you know reamed for what he said, yeah, look to the the moral compass that is Rick Pitino. Yep. Uh, Coastal Division is I, I'm going to say just. Uh, a toilet bowl. I mean, it's just a crapshoot at this point. It's open, but it feels like this is Miami's to lose. I mean, you normally don't say that with a 
a guy in a you know first year head coach uh, or a, a head coach in his first year with the program like Mario Cristobal is uh, coming from Oregon to the Hurricanes. He he what played there and won a couple of national championships and whatnot. So he's coming home. He's got the the fan base, the school excited. They're going to pump more money into facilities to help get them up to snuff, which is good because the Hurricanes have been lagging behind in that department now for a while. But when I look at the rest of this division, it's all kind of crap. I mean, Pittsburgh has lost their, um, you know, Kenny Pickett, who was up for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, even though he's like only 10 yards away from them, really, with the Steelers. Uh, And their offensive coordinator, too. He's now at Nebraska. Yep. Yep. Well, Whipple, right, I believe? Yep. Yep. Mark Whipple. Mark Whipple. Yeah. North Carolina, they are going to break in a new quarterback, and they were really disappointing last year. Sam Howell's not there. Virginia Tech, I'd love to say that the Hokies are going to be a threat. I can't say that because they they have a lot of – the cupboard isn't bare, but they have a lot of stuff that they need to – uh, recruit well. I mean, the fan base is excited and things seem to be going well, but I don't know how competitive they'll be this year. Virginia, I do like Brennan Armstrong, their quarterback, but apart from that, a new head coach there because Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall retired at the end of last season. And Georgia Tech and Duke absolutely stink. Duke's bringing in a new head coach. Georgia Tech doesn't have any identity now since Paul Johnson retired and they're, they're trying to change the way that program goes, but that that's still a dumpster fire. So with all that being said, this feels like it is Miami's to lose. Am I crazy in saying that? No, I think you're right. I mean, Mario Cristobal has been, has been very good wherever he's been as a head coach. I forget which Florida school he was at. He was at one of the group of five Florida schools, then left to go to Oregon. Obviously, he was good at Oregon, but not – he, he was good in kind of a different way. That Oregon was like a little bit tougher under Cristobal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely what Miami needs. Yes. You know, as a former offensive lineman, it makes sense that he's kind of a tough guy and teaches or coaches tough teams, mm-hmm. which is what the Canes could use a dose of because, I mean, clearly talent's not ever been the problem for him. Right. I think, I mean, I, they had that year a few years ago, Miami did, where they were like, uh, were they eleven and one or undefeated going into the ACC or ACC title game against Clemson? I feel like they had the uh, one they, loss or something. That was with I think the, they had one loss and then they lost to Clemson and then they played Wisconsin in a bowl game, if I remember yeah. right. But and that like was in with, the Orange Bowl. That was with Derek King, if I recall correctly, right? I believe that's right. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to finish the regular season with just one loss. I mean. Regardless of what conference or division you're in, that's always incredibly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they're going to win the division and could potentially have that kind of year. Well, you I look, think it's probably more like ten and two. But you look at their at their schedule. They have a tough game with A and M week three, uh, September seventeenth. So that's likely a loss for them because A and M's just better talent wise as of now. Then you look down the line, you get North Carolina at home October 8th. That should be a win. Normally a trip to Blacksburg for the Hurricanes or for anyone really, you know, in recent, you know, maybe not the last past few seasons, but prior to that, you know, Virginia Tech always plays Miami tough at home, especially uh, Enter Sandman and all that fun jazz. But like I said, I don't know how competitive Virginia Tech's going to be this year. Uh, you know, first year head coach. I just I think if there's a year to go up to Blacksburg and and beat them, this is the year for the Hurricanes. So I, I look at that as a win. And then who else you got? I mean Duke, Virginia, Florida State's at home, Georgia Tech. I, I see a, cl- a loss at Clemson, and I I see them beating Pittsburgh there at the end of the year. I see two losses for this team this year, ten and two, and maybe they trip up somewhere along the way. But I think ten and two is awfully reasonable considering the the schedule that they have in front of them. Agreed. Ten and two, but also, like, I also agree that they'll probably lose to both Texas A&M and Clemson. But, like, neither of those games are games you look at and you're like, well, they just don't have any chance to win. Right. I mean, I don't think we put them as favorites, but, you know, if Miami was up by ten points in the fourth quarter against either of those two teams, I don't think either of us would be stunned. 
I mean, if they were up by 30, I would be. But I would be awfully like, surprised. Oh, no, actually, maybe not you know what? They're up, they're up 28-21 over Texas A&M in the fourth quarter. I'd be like, yeah, I can see that. I could see a lot of uh, A&M fans going berserk on Jimbo after the game and asking that he get fired. Yeah. yeah I mean, obviously, they've recruited well at Texas A&M, mm-hmm. but they had the one year, I think it was the second year, where they were like 9-3 and three or something like that, but... I mean, they've not really quite put it all together at Texas A&M either. I mean, it could happen this year. I mean, this, I, if, if you keep giving him chances, I think he's got a better shot than most teams in, in all of college football at if, putting together a 10-win season. If, but, if not this year, then next year. I mean, it has to be next year then. Yeah. Because that, you, that means you get another year with this highly touted recruiting class that they that they got this past year. I mean, I don't think you can expect a lot from all the freshmen. True. I think that's fair. That's Yeah, I mean, there might be one or two, but yeah, it's tough to be like, hey, we're going to rely on seven different freshmen to take us to the next level in college football. So Pittsburgh is bringing in uh, Slovis from USC to be their quarterback. Uh, don't really know, I guess, on the – it, has it is it official that that wide receiver Addison is he with USC now or is that still kind of up in the air? That I also do not know. I mean, if he's gone, if Jordan Addison is gone, along with uh, Kenny Pickett, Slovis is a good quarterback, and Pittsburgh's defense will be will be above average for sure. I see Pittsburgh kind of hanging around, but ultimately they just don't have the firepower that they do last year. However, with that being said, I have them beating Tennessee, and I don't feel good about that at all because I think Tennessee is a really good team this year. But I have Pittsburgh beating West Virginia and Tennessee to open the year and then losing at North Carolina, I, the, losing a weird game at Virginia and then at Miami to end the year. Pittsburgh 9-3, and three, they could vault Miami it's it's tough. It, ultimately, whoever wins the Coastal, it could come down to that last week when Pittsburgh visits Miami. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a big game that'll go a long ways. And then, like you said, I mean, if you lose your uh, your Heisman, yeah, your, or I guess you didn't win it, but Heisman Trophy qualifying or Heisman Trophy final as quarterback. Yes, yep. Along with your offensive coordinator and top receiver and still find a way to win nine games the next year. Other than if you're, you know, Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia or Oklahoma, I think you look at that and say, yeah, we'll take that. And hopefully we're just building for another big season the following year. I think that Tennessee game, the more I think about it, I think Tennessee's going to beat them. But I'll stick with my prediction right now and go with Pittsburgh. I believe Pittsburgh went into Knoxville and beat Tennessee last year, if I recall correctly. Let's just uh, confirm that. But I'm pretty sure they did. I don't specifically remember, but if I remember right, Pittsburgh won like 10 games last year, and I think Tennessee yeah. won like 7. And, so. and they won, yeah, they beat Tennessee 41-34. So, that's that, and they and they were they were home to Western Michigan last year, and so they're doing a home-and-home home with Western Michigan, which is one of the strangest things I think we've seen in quite some time regarding a Power 5 school. But then again, North Carolina is playing at App State and at Georgia State this year, and Virginia Tech is playing at Old Dominion and at Liberty. So, what And Nebraska is th- playing in Ireland. Yeah, what the hell do we know? It's 2022 yeah. in college football. So, ACC championship game, I have Clemson against Miami. Do you have the uh, do you have the Wolfpack against Miami, or do you have someone else coming out of the Coastal? No, I've got NC State against Miami. Okay. So we will get our predictions on what will happen next week. We'll, we'll lay all that out on the line here. But let's go to some of these independents. And last year, Notre Dame was uh, obviously a hot topic. Any year, Notre Dame is going to be a hot topic, you know, with how good they are, you know, the following that they have. And now Brian Kelly's gone. You bring in uh, Freeman. And it seems like everyone is on board with this hire. He's a really good recruiter, but they've lost quite a bit of talent, uh, you know, and they're scheduled this year. I was talking about this with, with Crins earlier, and we, we're kind of, because we're going to talk about B, both BYU and uh, Notre Dame here. Those are, uh, sorry to the Army out there, but 
these two teams are the the teams that matter most in terms of the uh, college football playoff landscape. And if I'm looking at this here, I I have a hard time looking at Notre Dame's schedule and seeing them come out with double-digit wins. Uh, I suppose it is possible, but when you have at Ohio State to begin the year, barring a major upset, I think that's a loss. Ohio State will, will more than likely beat them. You have Clemson at home. You have at USC. You have a neutral site game with BYU. Heck, even that game at North Carolina is a little tricky for Notre Dame. I just don't see them being able to navigate the this schedule this year with their roster. Maybe in a couple years with the, the recruits that they keep bringing in. I just that's a very tough four game stretch for Notre Dame that I see them going one and three or two and two at best. I, I just don't foresee a 10-win season for Notre Dame. I have them at 9-3 and three and not even sniffing the playoff. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoff either, but I just think it's interesting that you're saying they can't get to 10 wins, but you've got them at 9-3, and three, just one short of 10 wins. I do. Yeah. I, I agree that there's I – mean, I mean, obviously you can get weird upsets and you never know what's going to happen. But like you said, I mean, there's four games on their schedule that look really tough with Ohio State, BYU, Clemson, and USC. Mm-hmm. The only one I think that they're just definitely not going to win is, is uh, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll sweep the other three, but I think they can win two out of the other three. And, I mean, <laughs> Notre Dame is not one of like the two or three best recruiting schools anymore. They still recruit really well, though, and have for quite a while. Yes. And they've got 13 starters back, too. And so, I mean, they've, I mean, they've got to break in a new quarterback, but there's still plenty of guys on both sides of the ball that have a lot of talent. Um, I guess I think the most interesting thing is Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State uh, defensive player, is that it's like, hey, guess what? Your first game, you have to go on the road and play Ohio State, right. which is about as nasty of a first game you could have as that coach. I guess I, I see their ceiling at 10-2, and two, but I don't anticipate that will happen this year. But if you look at that four-game stretch, and I'm going to now bring in BYU's four-game stretch. Like Notre Dame, if you, if you put the four schools that they have to play at Ohio State, neutral site game with BYU – home against Clemson and at USC, those four games I would say would rival almost any other team in the country in terms of the strength of those opponents. Agree or disagree? Um, my gut reaction is yes, but I'd have to look at some other ones. I mean, are we talking about like of teams that are good? Yeah, yes. games and yeah, no, not like, the, like so Indiana. So we can't count like yeah. Rutgers, who has to play all of the best teams yeah. in the East. Yes, yeah, or, like, uh, or like, Auburn, who's going to go six and six. I would and say has of, to play all the okay. Yeah, I would say of legit or like on the border of being a college football playoff contender. Those four games, I think, could make or if they win all four of those games, Notre Dame, I think, gets into the college football playoff, even with one loss somewhere else along the way. If you beat those four teams... If they teams, win all four of those, yeah, they're definitely getting yeah. into the playoffs. If yes. they win all four of those. Yeah, if, in, like, you know, they're, if they're 11-1 and one, people are like, oh, that one loss was to, I don't know, like a North Carolina, or they stubbed their toe against Navy for some reason, uh, Notre Dame would still be in at that point. Uh, I think the real interesting thing is if they lose to Ohio State in week one, but then win the next 11 in a row, where it's like, yeah, they lost on the road in game one to Ohio State, but then beat everybody else. Mm-hmm. That was- I don't think they're going to go 11-1. Like I said, I've got them at 10-2. and I think they lose to Ohio State, and they lose one of BYU, Clemson, and USC. I probably lean towards that USC. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first and last game of the, of the regular season. It would be interesting because they always say it's best to lose early in the season rather than late. You gain momentum. People kind of forget about what happened earlier in the year. That If Notre Dame has the one loss only to Ohio State, then yeah, I think they, they, they play their way into the college football playoff. At least the discussion of like the first team out. But I would think they would be... 
in. But they're going to have to contend with the BYU Cougars, a team that, you know, just looking into this more, the, the number of starters that they have back is absolutely tremendous on both sides of the ball. Last year they were decimated with injuries on the defensive side. Jalen or Jaron Hall, excuse me, the quarterback, very good. They should have a very good offense putting up tons of points. And you look at their schedule. This is the last year that BYU is an independent. And, but, you know, if we stack the four teams that they have against the four that Notre Dame has, if you're just going to look at resume's sake, BYU has Baylor at home, at Oregon, neutral site game with Notre Dame, and home against Arkansas. Maybe you favor Notre Dame, you know, the, that strength of schedule just because you have Ohio State and USC in there, both of those being road games, but... You have the Big 12 champions in Baylor. You have a very strong team in the Pac-12 in Oregon that you have to go to. Arkansas's no slouch. And you have a really good team in Notre Dame. That's a pretty good uh, quadrant or uh, foursome of games that BYU has. A quartet, yes, thank you. That will ultimately, I think, make or break their season and whether or not they can get to the college football playoff or not. But BYU, to me, is a, a very interesting team and one that I think is going to be flying very high this year. I uh, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, if you want to go one step further, as I'm casually uh, slowing down my voice or my rate of talking as I look at another team schedule real quick, I uh, – to quote Michael Keaton in the 1989 Batman movie, I would say, stack it. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yes. I think Notre Dame's foursome of games is harder than BYU's foursome. Yep. But if we add the fifth toughest game on their schedule, I think BYU, with their fifth toughest game, I would say is at Boise State, mm-hmm. is tougher than Notre Dame's fifth toughest game. And now we go your five toughest games of... Baylor at Oregon, neutral site Notre Dame, Arkansas at Boise State. That's a nasty five games that I don't think many teams in the country can go undefeated through. Right. I think Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia could. And I think those might be the only three teams I would say, yeah, I would pick you to win all five games. Everyone else, even if I would be like, I think you're better than all five, I don't think that they would escape unscathed against all five. Oh, I, I agree with that. I mean, Boise State may not be the Boise State that we've been accustomed to, like in terms of, oh, they're they're constantly winning the Mountain West, they're getting in that, that group of five, or the, you know, the, the New Year Six as the non-power group of five conference but a representative, but they're still a very good team. Out in the Mountain West, I mean. That, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're a threat to make the playoffs, but I think they're like every year they're a threat to get the the group of five New Year six spot. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that they will, but I think that they are good enough that they could. I agree. No, I I absolutely agree. Um, I just the I, other thing too. Yeah. I mean, just because we're talking about BYU, uh, eighteen starters back, eight on offense, and a whopping ten on defense. I mean, 10 starters back, and I'm generalizing here, but obviously, you know, a lot of BYU guys are a little bit older, too. So when you have 10 starters back, and some of them are 23 and 24 years old, mm-hmm. that's incredibly beneficial. Yes. I mean, we're old enough now that you just know that, you know, there's just a difference between when you're 18 and when you're 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, you're just, I mean, you just, I don't know, it's just like you're not as psyched out or is worried about things you're just like yeah i mean i don't know mature sure it's a loud sure. stadium and they're really good but i mean i've done weirder stuff than this before or yep. where you know if you're 18 or 19 or 20 sometimes that's a little bit different yep maturity for sure uh and that's maybe plays to byu strength in there but yeah 18 returning starters like you said eight on offense 10 on defense it, as long as they can stay healthy because injuries ravaged them last year but I just I th- I think this BYU team is going to fly high. I think it's going to be a very good year of football for the state of Utah. If, if you're... I think that's fair. Also, the, the injuries last year probably helped them a lot for this year, but they just have more experience this way. Sure. I mean, you yep. see that a lot where it's yep. like, oh no, we're really injured one year, but it builds extra depth, and then I mean, rarely are you truly snake bitten injury wise two years in a row. 
And so, I mean, I, there will probably be some injuries, but if it flips the other way where it's like, oh, wow, we only had like three total guys miss any games at all and no one missed more than two, you know, that's – and then you bring back or also combine all the experience and the returning starters. That's uh, – that's a pretty good start there for any college football team. And their season really make or like, if they can get through October fifteenth with one or or zero losses, they they're flying high. Because after October fifteenth, they're at Liberty, which yeah, Liberty fine, but they don't have Malik Willis this year, so breaking in a new quarterback. Sorry, Hugh Freeze, uh, get lost. Home to East Carolina. Oh my gosh, again, East Carolina joining the discussion. At Boise State, home against Utah Tech, which I is that the, Utah Tech after a bye week too? Yeah, is that was that Delta State before like uh or Dixie State? I think they were formerly Dixie State. Um, so I think that's a D that's a FCS, and then at Stanford, that's not exactly murderer's role, but you still have a Power Five team in. Stanford, and as you said, a good Boise State squad. So it's it's. I did say that, but to your point, if they get through the game against Arkansas on October fifteenth undefeated, they're not going to lose any regular season games. But just even one loss, Baylor, and win on the road at Oregon and beat Notre Dame. I don't think anyone else on the schedule after they beat Arkansas. Is going to be able to beat them either. No, I think you have to go through that six and one or seven and zero. Oh. If they can do that, then yeah, BYU is perhaps a, a playoff team, but for sure, I think the representative of the the group of six. That's yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think that's fair. I mean, if they if they can finish eleven and one, I think that I don't know if they get into the playoff at eleven and one, but I think they definitely get a. A New Year's Six spot, then. Yep. I yeah, I agree. I think eleven one. They're probably just on the outside, but it depends on how everything else plays out. But for the record, I have Notre Dame at nine and three with losses at Ohio State, neutral site to BYU, and then at USC. I actually have them beating Clemson. Uh, so I have Notre Dame at nine and three, BYU eleven and one with their lone loss at Oregon, and that's certainly a game that they could very well win. But that's what I have for BYU. Do you what uh, records do you have for each of those schools? Very similar. I have them both at ten and two. The only difference is I have Notre Dame beating BYU. Okay. All right. Very so good. So Notre Dame losing to uh, Ohio State and USC, and BYU losing to uh, uh, Notre Dame and at Oregon. Okay. All right. So we're very very similar here in that, but uh, we're both high on the Cougars. Here at this stage, uh, anything else regarding the independence that we should mention? Uh, let's see. As I quickly flip through here on my independence page, UConn will still be really bad. Yep. Um, I don't think New Mexico State or UMass are going to be good either. No. Nope. So no, nothing else on the independence. All right. Very good. Uh, let's just run through a couple of these other conference here. Conference USA. Uh, looks like UAB may be the favorites here. Uh, UTSA's been really good. UTEP very surprising last year how how good they did. You know they were down in the in the depths of despair for so long, and uh, so UTEP kind of making a, a comback here. Anything in uh, the conference USA? Who do you think wins this? Uh, who do you think wins this? Conference. I'm going to go with UAB, but I don't say that with any degree of certainty. I'm going to preface this by saying I think it's interesting that you could have made a case a while ago, like five or six years ago. Especially, I don't know how far we have to go back to when the AAC still technically had like a BCS bid. Maybe that was like nine years ago. Mm -hmm. But there was a point you could make a case that like, oh yeah, Conference USA, this is of course, again, saying when AAC still had the automatic New Year's Six game or BCS Bowl or whatever. But you could have made the case that Conference USA was the, was the best of the group of five conferences, either them or the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that that's just like not really the case anymore, but somehow the Sun Belt, which was like the worst conference, has just leveled up and is somehow like better than Conference USA now. And it's just like, yeah, you know, the AAC and the Mountain West are probably better than us, but we're better than both the MAC and Conference USA. So, kudos to the Sun Belts. 
in terms of a winner, I've got Western Kentucky winning Conference USA. Okay. Why? I don't know, but I just think they'll be the best team. They don't have Bailey Zappi. He is a quarterbacking now with New Eng- with the Patriots, so they will be breaking in a new quarterback. And th- didn't this conference also give us one of the uh, just the 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 worst plays of the season last year when Louisiana Tech had it like second and goal from their five yard line and, or from their opponent's five yard line and then a fumble kicked it all the way back to like third and goal from their from inside their own five like it was like a 90 was yard just loss. last year i was thinking it was longer ago than that maybe it was just last year was, though it was last year or two years ago i just remember it's louisiana but yeah yeah but you're correct that it was yeah they lost like 80 yards on one play just, just incredible just incredible there uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go to the Mac. The the Mac. Uh, didn't Schottenkirk say he was really high on Toledo? Um, I like Northern Illinois. I, Northern Illinois was good last year. The young team, but I think they have enough. Uh, I think you you build on that that youth and all that experience they had playing last year. I'm going Northern Illinois to win this one. I'm going Toledo over Miami of Ohio. Okay. I do always, I, I kind of have a soft spot for Eastern Michigan. I don't know why. Maybe it's their their awful looking field. Maybe it's the the pregame ritual of hitting their hitting Just through that brick wall. To knock yeah. the bricks over. Yeah, so I, I always hope Eastern Michigan does well. Uh, Athlon says uh, Eastern Michigan is not going to be bowl eligible. They are not bowl bound, according to Athlon. But we will see. I'm surprised you're not high on Central Michigan. Didn't they have your guy, Dan LaFever, about yes, 15 yes years ago? Did. Yes, they did. Uh, people don't forget, apparently. <laughs> I just remember because yeah. I was also a big Central Michigan fan and Dan LaFever guy yeah. when he was there. Yep. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be good, but, um, yeah. I do kind of miss how, I mean, I understand why it's worked out this way. And why teams are like, actually, we're a big Power 5 school. Let's play on Thursday so we get a night to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I do kind of miss the MAC and Conference USA being like, no, we're the only game on Thursday. And these teams you wouldn't normally see play on a Saturday because they get lost in the shuffle. Guess what? You're watching us now. Well, I do. And I kind of miss that. I do like how the MAC has kind of cornered the market on Tuesday and Wednesday games uh, yeah, in, in October and November. So. There's that at least. I do love how you get to some account on Twitter that's like the Mac only plays seven games on Saturday the rest of the season now. Right. Yes. Yes. That's always one of the the fun stats of the college football season. Mountain West, Boise State in the Mountain Division. I think the prohibitive favorites don't know what. I mean, Utah State and Air Force are going to be factors in there, but Boise State ultimately prevails. And in the West, I like San Diego State. I know Fresno State's good, but they just lost their head coach to Washington. So where's this air raid offense going to come from? So give me San Diego State once again uh, in the West, taking on Boise State. I'll take the Broncos to win overall. I had the same thing, just to be different. I'm going to say Boise State against Fresno State, but State wins the conference. Okay. Uh, anything else of note from the Mountain West that we should do- delve into? Um, I do not have anything else. All right, that's fair enough. We don't need that. Let's move on to the, I think this is the final conference here. It's the Sun Belt conference now this has given us some big, aka the fun belt yeah sunbelt sun fun belt and this has given us some really good teams in recent years app state of course we know the the big upset that they had when they were what d2 or fcs over michigan that one year coastal carolina has been very fun to watch in recent years louisiana was fantastic last year and billy napier got hired to, to go to florida as a result of his great efforts there uh, we welcome in several newcomers here. James Madison go- goes from FCS to FBS in the Sun Belt. I believe Marshall is new, coming over from Conference USA, as is Old Dominion. So we have a few new, um, uh, at least, are those the only some new dogs ones? on the block? Yeah, yep, we have some, some new newcomers, some new cats in town, and at the end of the day, I think it comes down to either App State or Coastal Carolina. Just... Just for fun, I know Coastal Carolina is breaking in a new quarterback. 
I, I want to go with the Chanticleers real bad, but I think I'll lean towards App State nudging Coastal Carolina in the East Division and ultimately prevailing. I uh, let's see as I look at this. I thought that uh, Coastal Carolina had uh, their quarterback back. Oh, did he? Did he? Is yeah, he Grayson got... McCall's back for. Uh... Great. Okay, I thought McCall left. So yeah, okay, we're going to change the pick midstream here. I'm going with Coastal Carolina. I've got Coastal Carolina over uh, Troy in the conference title game. I am also going Chanticleers. Uh, Is it because it's a fun name and I like their uniforms? Like, yeah, that's probably 30%. Right? Look in here. App State gets North Carolina at home to begin the year. I mean, if that's it, you want to set the tone for your season, beat North Carolina week one. True. I just think True. it's so Beat ECU also. That'll really set the tone, too. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Uh, and Coastal Carolina plays at Virginia, but I mean that's there's nothing of note there. I like I, I think Coastal Carolina wins. Uh, we have to look here, and App State goes to Coastal Carolina November third. So that's the I think what decides this conference, or you know certainly who makes it to the championship game out of the East is going to be on November third between App State and Coastal Carolina in Conway. I agree with that. Whoever wins that game wins the conference. And I think we've ran the gamut then through, uh, what, what are our expectations for James Madison quickly, just jumping up from that FCS level to the FBS level this year? I mean, they were one of the best FCS level teams, uh, certainly outside of North Dakota State, of course, Boo Bison, and then uh, in South Dakota State. But it was James Madison. I mean, they've won a national championship. They've been to a couple of other championship games. What do we expect from James Madison in their first year at the FBS level? Um, the one thing, I forget that I think they cannot go to a bowl game the first year, if I remember right, that they've got that dumb rule that if yeah. you move up, like you get pro or probation. It's, for it's just like in college basketball, too. Yeah, you're, you're ineligible for the NCAA tournament or some schools, even the conference tournament. Like St. Thomas, ineligible for the conference tournament in the Summit League. Yeah, it's a dumb rule. I don't mm-hmm. like it, but I think that they'll be bowl eligible this year. I mean, I don't think they're going to get to nine or ten wins, but I think they can get to six and seven. I think that there will be some teams in Conference USA that will be like, oh, wow, this team is uh, definitely better, especially depth-wise, than what we saw in the FCS. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to look around the field at you know, half the teams in Conference USA and be like, oh, no, this team looks so good. I think there will be at least four or five teams. Granted, I don't remember who all they play. I don't have their schedule pulled up of who they do and don't play in the league. But a lot of teams, they'll just be like, yeah, this is really not that much different. We're fine. We can definitely win this game. They do have to go to App State September 24th, but they host Coastal Carolina the final week of the season. Uh, they're at Louisville. They host Marshall. I mean, you're at Arkansas State, at Georgia Southern. Like, not, not too terrible – here I I do think James Madison will ultimately win this conference within five years. I'm gonna give it a five year period and I think they prevail over like the App States and the Marshalls and the um, Coastal Carolinas of the world. I wouldn't be stunned if that happens. I mean I think they can upgrade their talent level quickly mm-hmm. and just be you know, I mean obviously they've been doing very well. I think they'll probably continue to do well. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I mean, like, if they finish number one in year one or year two, I'd be surprised mm-hmm. in the conference. But but I don't think it'll take them that long to be one of the three or four best teams. I don't either. I, I don't. I think it'll be – I think they will fit in very well it, at the next level. And we're just kind of waiting now for when NDSU is going to take that next jump and if SDSU follows. I think the biggest thing with James Madison is that, like I said, Conference USA just is not as good as it was 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it easier in some ways. I mean, just like, you know, if North Dakota State joined the AAC, I don't know if they would do great. I think they would do a lot better against most of the MAC schools, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, if, North, if North Dakota State this year was in the MAC, just like James Madison's in Conference USA. Mm-hmm. Again, I realize that they wouldn't be eligible to, but I would pick North Dakota State to win 
or to finish first in their division. Yes. Like, I realized they wouldn't get to go to the conference title game. But I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to pick up to go 9-3 and three and beat everyone else in the division. Though. Without question. Without question. That's how much ahead they are of just about everyone at the F- certainly at the FCS level, but they're better than a lot of FBS programs as well. I mean, they'd be in the top third of the FBS schools. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. They'd beat Vanderbilt. Let's let's be real here. <laughs> I mean, not only Vanderbilt, they'd probably beat like, like Auburn and Kentucky, too. I mean, I don't think they'd beat Alabama or Georgia or Texas A&M. No. No. But after that, we started getting there. It's like, look, if they were playing them week in and week out every week, I don't know if they'd do great in the SEC. But if we're talking about one game to get them amped up for, which they're as good as getting amped up for one game as any Division One program in the country, mm-hmm. I think they could beat half the SEC, maybe even two-thirds of the SEC teams in just a one-game one non-conference scenario. Yep. Yep, no doubt. No doubt about it. Well, I think this about wraps it up here for this week. Next week, we'll go. Uh, we'll make our picks and do everything. Is there anything else that we need to talk about from any of these conferences? Hmm, I don't think so. There was some hypothetical question I was going to ask you last week, and I forgot what it was, and I didn't think about it again until right now. And I still can't remember what it okay. was. Well, you, we can do this. Which next I know week. that's great radio saying I had this question, but I don't remember what it is now. Hey. It, it happens, and you know what? You can ask me next week if you remember. True. I will spend more time this week trying to remember what it is for next week. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you, Charlie, as always, for the time. Appreciate it, my friend, and look forward to uh, next week when we make our picks as uh, the official first week of college football begins. But good luck to your Huskers this week in Ireland. Enjoy the game, and enjoy college football back on your television. Yep, thanks for having me. Go Big Red. You're... <laughs> you're very welcome. Go Big Red. Thanks, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to spend some time here. We went over the ACC, Independence, and all. I really like BYU this year. BYU is the team you have to watch out for. So don't don't let me down, Cougars. Don't let me down. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Again, uh, you can find uh, the podcast on podcast.com. Also on iTunes, just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Stacken. Uh, Charlie's on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Uh, Travis on Twitter at Travis Krenz. Facebook Nathan Stack and a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, Next week will be our big pick show. So we'll make all the picks for uh, the season. Maybe we'll uh, try and get Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, to come on and um, talk about some of these guys who are going to make an impact at the potentially at the next level that we have to watch out for for the NFL draft uh, 2023. So we'll get to all that next week. But again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, enjoy the, the weather as we approach fall. Enjoy your college football week zero Saturday. Pull header on CBS Sports Network. You have, of course, the Nebraska Northwestern game in Dublin. Um, The real college football season starts week one, but uh, we get a taste of it here this weekend. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, thanks so much for listening. Big college football preview show next week with our picks. uh, So definitely tune in for that. And as always, we thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.